Welcome back to the DMP pod, everybody. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, episode 63. We are uh, back from a little hiatus, had about a week and a half off, celebrated the uh, the long holiday, the 4th of July holiday. Um, and we're back just in time for the Summer League. We got a very heavy episode with Summer League talk, free agency talk, catch up on some draft talk. Um but wanted to start by just uh you know talking about the uh recent release by the DMP boys. Um specifically to thank everybody. Um what last Thursday we um finally released our long awaited merchandise store. And um yeah, I mean to anybody who bought anything, like truly, truly, truly thank you for the support. Um means fucking everything under the sun um we hope to keep more stuff coming for you matt i don't know if you wanted to add anything to that but yeah appreciate it like everybody exceeded our expectations we thought we had something cool to put out and obviously we like rocking it (laughs) we think it's a dope (laughs) logo um and what better thing to do than put a cool logo on some hoodies and shirts but uh definitely didn't expect the overwhelming support from everybody like we would never ask people directly hey come buy this shit please but you know people were we teased it a little bit on the gram and things like that and and people were dming us like hey where's the link like i want to support drop the link what's good and uh like you said it means the world to us so appreciate it and um it just kind of motivates us to do some more cool stuff so hopefully stay tuned and um more and better stuff will be coming definitely and uh for those that bought stuff let us know if anything looks off funky doesn't fit um we'll do our best to make sure you're wearing the comfiest clothes in town uh but yeah if anything is actually like messed up just let us know we'll get it we'll get it fixed for you absolutely um hopefully the shipping stuff isn't too big of a deal it was funny one of the buddies <laughs> bought a hoodie and said oh i'm gonna stay cozy and, and warm all summer and then sent me a screenshot of the the shipping take in about four or five weeks and maybe next summer so uh, just yeah try and be a little patient for us i think they're going to be delivered a little sooner than than they're saying i think they over promise under deliver a little bit they'll be like yeah we'll start shipping it in two weeks and then it shows up in two weeks so yeah, uh, that's how i live my life yeah I mean, under, under promise over deliver so exactly exactly um but shit man we got a lot to catch up on last time we caught up we were um talking draft if i'm not mistaken pre-draft yes. stuff we went through the likes loves and hates so let's just start with maybe not so much the draft itself, but let's just focus around the dubs and kind of catch everybody else, catch everybody up on what the hell's happening with the dubs. Um, so we picked three spots in the uh, in the draft a couple weeks ago, um, highlighted by Patrick Baldwin Jr. in that 28 slot. Um, mm-hmm. What I don't think you guys... Oh, go for Correction. it. Correction. We, we got to push this nickname. Pete... He's PB and J. Now he's Sandwich Baldwin Jr. Sandwich Baldwin Jr. <laughs> PB and J is a sandwich. It just rolls off the tongue nicely. So from here on out, I hope you're going to buy in with me as I like all sandwich. our listeners. He's Sandwich Baldwin Jr. I like sandwich. Uh, <laughs> what was funny is, well, we had our our chat with Coach Joe Curtin last time. My internet was going all over the shit. And I went on this <laughs> long, long tangent about why I thought Patrick Baldwin Jr. was going to be a sneaker, a sneaky good pick for us or a steal. 
and I got absolutely roasted by the boys. I got, <laughs> I was popping in and out to hearing fucking you fired, like losing my job, getting flamed. And then I hear you guys talking about PB and J. And unfortunately, I couldn't cut, I couldn't add it to the episode because through your guys's flaming of my ass, you just hear me going, God damn it, uh, and, and freaking out over the internet. So um, I was happy about the pick, but the more I sort of like follow him post draft, um, I got some questions. We'll start with PB or with Sandwich, Matt. What do you think? Thank you. Um, it's one of those things where it's like trick your dumb brain. Like he was a top five high school recruit and was offered by Duke his sophomore year, right? Like he was supposed to be the next coming early on in his career. I think dislocated his ankle either in the beginning of his senior year or end of junior year and missed all of senior year. So that part's tough. I mean, he has all the makings. It's funny to me because like every time you hear him in an interview or something, he markets himself as the coach's son. Like he's very adamantly tells people like, I'm a coach's son. I can dribble, pass and shoot. I can dribble, pass and shoot, which you got to love, especially for somebody his size. I think he's six, nine, six, ten. Um, but the things to be worried about, like the physical athletic tools, I, th- I think he was in a literally a historic low, the lowest score ever on, was it vertical or uh, something of that nature in the combine? Like one of his physical tests came out to be bottom of the barrel worst ever recorded in the combine, which you can't always put stock in that. Like Dennis Smith Jr. I think had the highest vertical of all time and poor guy's out of a job right now. So mm-hmm. there's much more to basketball than that. Um, but you like to see all those physical tools come with it. So it's a little bit concerning. But as far as like skill goes on the offensive end, I think we got a lot to work with with this kid. Like his jumper is pure. He definitely can pass. Um, he looks like he's one of those like thinkers on the basketball court. Like he said, he's a fucking coach's son. So um, I'm sure he's going to shoot himself still... in the foot with that one, dude. <laughs> he absolutely is. I think Bob, uh, Bob Fitzgerald is probably going to have a field day with that one. Just wait on it. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he watches a ton of film and stuff like that. So I have high hopes. Like, I really do think that he can pan out. Uh, it's just like the injury bug and the physical stuff. Can he overcome that? And can he stay healthy? Yeah. I mean, 6'10", 230, um, with a pretty good-looking jump shot. Like, that's promising in itself. That's, it's that's a sweet first, jumper. That's first-round, like, tangibles right there. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Going back to the combine, he had a 23 and a half inch standing vert and a 26 and a half max vert. And based on what they were able to find, this would be the fourth lowest max vert recorded at the combine since 2011. Only Dakari Johnson, Diedrich Lawson, and Nikola Vucevic were lower. So mm. don't know who those other two players, but I definitely know Nikola Vucevic. And I remember Dakari. I think he Dakari came out of Johnson. Kentucky. Oh, I, shit. I, had, I had high hopes for Dakari once upon a time. <laughs> Didn't pan out either. But I guess you also have to take into consideration with that. He was still rehabbing his, his ankle. I think he's saying that yeah. he's still like 90, 95%. So, yeah. So, like all like the agility athletic pieces, you know, I'm more than happy to chalk that up to recovery. And yeah. like I said, everything else, you know, his size, 6'10, 7 foot 1 wingspan. 230 he's like if he's put in a position like the warriors you know training team training staff and stays healthy and gets reps like he's worth taking a shot at in that 28 spot you know so i'll i'll, I'll take it 
Um, and moving we're in on a position as oh. a franchise to take a, a shot on a flyer like that. So yeah, absolutely. no, I really don't have an issue with it. If you look at the rest of the board, I'm sure we'll go over some more guys, but there really wasn't anybody left that I was like, we need to, to grab this guy. So I'm good with it. Sandwich. Yeah. I didn't, I was feeling the same way. Like maybe like what's his face from Liddell. Uh, Liddell was one that we could have talked about. Um, I mean, you could take a stretch on like a Jaden Hardy, but that wasn't really in. I was scared the, of him too. Yeah. So I, like I said, I, I thought it was going to be a good pick. Um, and I think for our approach needed to be just versatile, lengthy wings that can potentially be three and D guys. And so he fits that mold perfectly. So I, I don't hate that pick. Um, the next person that we got was Ryan Rollins, who a lot of people felt was like the steal of the draft in the second round. We, we traded up for him in the 44th slot with the Hawks. Um, combo guard out of, out of Toledo. Really fucking smooth game. Can fill it up. I loved what I saw. I hated what came out after it with his like undisclosed, not even like the fact that he knew what was going on, his foot injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, we won't get to see him in the summer league. But long term, I I'm very high on Rollins. What do you think? Love it. Love the pickup. I mean, he's a guy that I really didn't know much about at all. To, if not if I'm thing. being uh, frank, <laughs> I had yeah. no clue. He wasn't really on people's draft boards from what I was scouring before it happened. Uh, but I mean, all the tape that I've watched, all his highlights, like he is the type of player that you really, really like. He's kind of a shifty combo guard with a sweet mid-range game. Um, looks like he has all the tools to be a good defender. I think he's like 6'3", 6'4". Uh, yeah. He said he tries to pattern his game out of uh, Sean Livingston and Jordan Poole, which is just a sexy combination. Um, <laughs> so I'm all in on that. And then the whole fifth metatarsal thing, I was listening to him in an interview and he actually had no clue that he had a broken foot, like, or a broken fractured fifth metatarsal. He went through all the combine, all the workouts, everything. And he had no, he had no idea that it happened. Um, And it's one of those things where I guess just like so many miles on him in such little time that it it happened and, and he just really didn't know. So sounds like it's more of a precautionary thing as far as yeah. holding him out and, and letting it get better. He sounds frustrated, like he wants to play, which I really like. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to see him get a little bit loose in this summer league. But I, I think good things are going to come from him, for sure. And I think, like, I mean, if if you look at some of the league's best guards, they are mid-major, score-first type guys. And if you get someone again, very low risk, high reward type player in the second round, um, we didn't trade too much to get him. Um, and we're going to need some sort of like offensive production in that point guard position. Maybe not right out the gate in the, in the start of the season, but if we can develop that in the G league, maybe bring them up here and there towards like the dog days of the season. Um, just adds another piece to that potential young core moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's always a good sign when your team wants to trade up to get somebody. So when they were like, Oh, warriors are trading up to 44, you know, they're taking a guy that they love that they weren't expecting yeah. to be around for. Yeah. And they made the move. So that that's always exciting when your franchise does that. Yep. And then finally in the 55 spot, we'll spend some time talking about the, uh, <laughs> the Prince of Brazil, but uh, <laughs> we're going to select Guy Santos, 6'8", yes. forward out of Brazil. Um, I don't know, might as well just jump into this, the California Classic based off that. So he was the only 
rookie that we drafted to play in the California Classic. Um, we lost what every game, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we lost we uh, over last over three as as well to the Heat. Yeah, every game. Yeah, so we, we got completely uh, <laughs> we looked Swept. too great. But Guy Santos, he was kind of the star of the the California Classic. You got firsthand sights on him. Um, what were your initial takes on him? Uh, initial takes, I, I did like his game. Um, he, he impressed me. Like, he played far better than I was expecting. I was expecting, like, a much – I mean, he is raw, don't get me wrong, but I was expecting much less polished than, than what we saw. In his first game in the California Classic, he dropped 23 points, three steals, six rebounds. He kind of was everywhere doing everything. And, I mean, that comes with a little bit of wild play. He had six turnovers as well to go with it. Um, but the flashes that he showed were pretty impressive. And then last night uh, in the last game against the Heat, he was coming off a pick and roll and nutmegged one of their defenders into an assist for, um, I think, Quindary Weatherspoon. So he's mm-hmm. he's got those flashes where you can see he uh, he knows what he's doing. Like, he really, really loves the game of basketball. His mom and his dad played pros, I believe, in Brazil. Mm. So he comes from a hoops family. Uh, the, the, the internet research I was doing on him, which I hate that they did this, but there's a YouTube video saying the Brazilian Luka Doncic, <laughs> which is just a horrible thing to put on a kid right out the gate. But um, I mean, he's not like a big athletic guy. Like he, he doesn't have like that crazy jump off the page speed or bounce, but he like has a way to get to his spots. And I think that's where people kind of see the Luca comparison. I'm, I'm not making it. Uh, it was made on the internet and I'm just repeating it, but uh, yeah, like he, he has that, like he, he has kind of like a flashy play and, and there's a smoothness to his game that uh, when it doesn't jump off the page with athleticism, he's able to kind of make up for that with a uh, feel for the game, I guess. Yeah. That was going to be the thing that I said, like what thought stood out the most was like, obviously I knew nothing about Guy Santos. when We drafted him like, on paper, you just see forward out of Brazil, like that's a draft and stash player. Um, but his just like control and, and feel for the game, like you said, was really impressive. I mean, the Warriors roster for the California Classic was not great. Um, Moody barely played, um, and he didn't play in the first game, barely played in the second game. Um, outside of that, like Quindary didn't get on the floor until yesterday, yeah, last right? Night. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was kind of like up to him, just kind of like run and gun, see what he can do. And he he looked really good for all, all things considered. Um, good feel with the ball, could handle it pretty well, get to his spots. His shot looks pretty smooth. Um, shot was much better than I was expecting. Yeah. And like you said, his, his ability to kind of see the floor and make some good passes is promising for our G League squad. Just again, to have someone that could potentially get on the floor in some of those really, really garbage time minutes. Mm-hmm. But also something that we can actually use in the G League and develop with good talent and not just sort of draft and stash away and not have to really think about him until who knows when. So I like what I saw at Aki. I don't know if there's anything else that you saw that stood out in the in the California Classic for the Devs. Um, yeah, a couple what things. What else? Um, and I'm hoping, just to piggyback off the, the Gee talk, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping... <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, he can come over and play for the G League team. I think he's currently under a co- under contract with his team in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it's going to be up to Bob to negotiate an out or whatever he can do. But if he can be just a full-time Santa Cruz guy, that would be ideal for his first 
whatever year or two until we can get them on a two-way. Yeah. Um, but the other players that really made an impression on me, one not great, one really good, was uh, your boy, Justinian Jessup. Still garbage. Um, yeah. Still has no place in the NBA. Um, I know people want to give him a chance and kind of let him get used to the speed of the game, but I just don't see it. Like, yeah, I understand that he's, what is he, like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's a shooter, supposed to be a knockdown shooter. Guy did not shoot well. He shot uh, in the first game, he shot one for three from three and three for six from the floor in total. And the second game, he shot three for 10 from the floor, one for five from three. And then in the last game, he actually played a little bit better and shot four for eight from the floor, but still one for five from three. So I actually don't know if the Australian three-point line is farther than the NBA three-point line, but he is shooting like it is <laughs> for sure. Short every time. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, I don't know if he's get, not getting enough lift under him or he's just rushing, but if you're supposed to be a shooter and he literally does nothing else, like the guy isn't a playmaker, he's not creating, he's not a lockup defender. He's not out there like cleaning the glass. I just, I think that was a swing and a miss as far as a draft and stash guy. So I'm just kind of waiting for the Justinian uh, saga to end. Yeah. And I'm assuming I mean, you agree. I couldn't agree more. Like last year was noticeably bad where, mm -hmm. you know, last year was like, all right, this is the time we're going to finally see something out of Jessup. And like, he just can't play at the speed. Um, right. And that just like affects everything else he's trying to do. So the reason why he can't play defense well is because everybody's faster and more athletic than him. Like his shot is rushed because he can't find his spots. He can't get open looks. He doesn't have a quick enough release. Um, and based off, I mean, it's a very small sample size, these, you know, three games. Um, we'll obviously see more of him in the, the Vegas classic or the Vegas uh, summer league. But I mean, I think we could put this one to bed, barring anything wild, that he's just not someone that we're going to be able to really count on. And I don't know what his contract looks like. I don't know if this is his final year, but I sure hope it is because yeah, what? I'm kind of sick of just like seeing him out there and maybe getting like a little bit of a high hopes. And just it's like you look the exact same as last year and maybe even the year before that, too. Well, I think when we drafted him, he like prior to us taking him, he had already signed a two year contract in mm -hmm. Australia. So I believe that that contract is up now. So we don't, we haven't signed him to anything. If I'm not mistaken, we just hold his rights. Okay. So okay. I'm assuming he would be a guy, obviously he wouldn't be worthy of a two way. No. So I, I I'm assuming if, if anything, we would just bring him over to play for Santa Cruz full time, um, which, okay, whatever if they want to do that and see what he's got kind of like a smile each type thing. Mm -hmm. that's fine, but I don't think he has any chance at sniffing the NBA floor. Yeah, um, and speaking of two ways, we just brought on... Um, Lester the Molester Quinones. That was, that was my next uh, bullet point there. Is I loved what I saw from Lester. I know you went nice. to the Classic on Saturday. Yep. Um, he had a much better game on Sunday. He finished with uh, 19 points, five rebounds. Um, he's nice, dude. I think he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Another guy with like really good feel for the game. You could tell that he can handle a little bit, has a pretty good shot, um, crafty bucket getter. I think he played three years at Memphis. Yeah. Uh, just I'm a huge, huge fan of his. He kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, what we saw from Ja'Cory McLaughlin last year. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very okay with us spending a, a two-way contract on the 21-year-old from Memphis. I think Lester is going to be really good. Yeah. No, I, I, 
I know he didn't play too well on Saturday, but I liked how he looked out there. I think he had a good looking stroke. Um, yeah, like New York guy uh, playing at Memphis, played there a few years, so he's got some experience under his belt. Um, I like so it. I, I, I think he coincided with Wiseman, although Wiseman played like three games. He was there when yeah. he was there, so they kind of had that connection, which is cool. Yeah. And he's good police. Lester right there, good police. <laughs> <laughs> Lester free, Lester Freeman Quinones. All right, we already got a nickname. I just I say, every time I see Lester Quinones, I'm like, good police. <laughs> <laughs> that boy's <is> good police. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I'm happy with that. So, like, I'm excited about Vegas. Um, it's looking like we'll get some Wiseman action. Who knows how much. Um, Moody will get most of him. I feel like John's kind of like he might play a game or two. I don't really know what his status is. Yeah, everything I've been seeing from Anthony Slater is that Kaminga and Wiseman, we will see them, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be for like a lot of games or like long stretches. It yeah. sounds like they're just going to get out there and play a little bit, but I think for Kaminga, they don't want to risk anything. And uh, obviously the Wiseman saga, we're just petrified to, to get him any more hurt than he is. Yeah, I, I think – I don't think – I mean, obviously you'd love to see Kaminga get out there and do more, but, I mean, he looked really, really good last year in the summer league. I don't – there's not much – I don't know how much it can help him. him. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, Moody can get – Moody's good in this in these sort of, like, summer league roles because he's just, like, keep working on his shot, keep trying moves. I mean, you saw it today. He's just, like, trying new moves. Um and he needs those reps more than maybe Kaminga does. Because Kaminga's just kind of like fly around, find open spots, cuts, dunks, and things like that. Whereas like Moody's going to work on some of his like go-to shots, playmaking ability, and things like that. So, and then with with Wiseman, dude, like I hope he plays, but I also like don't need him to play if we got him last time in the G League and he played one game and re-aggravated his knee. So like, yeah. I don't even. I, I want to like, see him though, dude. Like he needs to. I know. He needs to get some reps. Like in the past, what three years he's played like in total something like forty games from Memphis till till now. Mm-hmm. So he he needs reps for sure. I'm just hoping that they maybe play him in smart rotations. I'm sure the coach Seth isn't going to overdo it, but yeah, yeah. He, he's got to get out there. I think I think he'll uh, it'll it'll do pay big dividends if he gets out there and, and get some good reps, especially to build chemistry with like Moses, because Moses is gonna fucking run the show in Vegas. And exactly sitting like where I sat at the classic, it was so cool to watch Moody because everybody knows him as like the even keel young vet, like doesn't get rattled. Like that's an understatement. When you, when like you see him live, like most people will complain to the refs, especially in like a summer league or you know uh go back and forth with other players like he is a fucking cucumber out there like nothing rattles him he <laughs> he is a stone face he doesn't give anybody any emotion he just he it looks like he balls. has the, sh- the shortest term memory in the world like if he had a bad call that, that they didn't call a hack on on his defender on the, the last play like he is not going to waste time thinking about it he's on to yeah. the next and i'd love yeah. to see that from a player especially a young guy dude my favorite thing about moody is his just like old man isms that he has when you ask him a question like in an interview he's just like he's just he's just such like a vet at like 19 and a half years old yeah it's crazy um 
So I'm stoked to see him play. Uh, Vegas kicks off this Friday. We kick off against the uh, the New York Knicks at 8 p.m. Eastern in Ooh. Las Vegas, and that'll run all the way through the following week. And then there's a little bit of playoffs action. But nice. As far as the outlook for Vegas goes, I don't know. I mean, I don't think our roster is that great, um, especially when you kind of like think about the players that might be playing, might not be playing, and who knows what we'll be getting from like Baldwin and stuff. So I don't anticipate much success other than like, I'm just going to highlight those four or five players and hopefully we get some good action from them. Well, it looks like Quindary is going to take our other two-way spot. So I would love to see, I mean, we know, I mean, I think everybody knows that Quindary can kind of get to the rim and score. I would love to see a little bit more playmaking from him maybe. So being able to see Quindary and Moses play off each other in the same backcourt, I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be really fun to watch. And I think those guys could get big minutes, uh, especially during the regular season for us coming up. Yeah. Quindary played really good in the minutes that we called him up. Dude, during uh, the COVID outbreak, like oh yeah, Christmas time. I remember the Christmas game. He played his first like real minutes against the Suns. Yep. And was solid. And I'm not saying that he's like the level or caliber defender that GP2 is, but I mean, if, if he really focuses on that end, like there's no reason that he can't plug in some of those minutes. Exactly. Which actually gets us a good segue to do some uh, free agency talk for the dubs. How you doing? So we'll start with the uh, the elephant in the room, GP. We lost uh, we lost Gary Payton to the Blazers. Um, we came in about a year and... I don't know, $10 million, it seems, short from keeping him. Um, yep. That one's going to sting. I, I, we just talked about like relying on Quindary and Moody to kind of fill in those defensive gaps, but you hate to lose players like that for money reasons um, when I think – I don't think it was a scale that would have tipped us in the wrong when it comes to luxury tax with him. Um, but yeah, this one, this one's going to, it's going to suck. It's definitely going to suck, but I feel like you got to look at it from all angles, right? Like we'll get into it obviously, but because we didn't sign him, we had the ability to sign Looney to the contract that we signed Loon to. Right. Uh, eventually we're going to have to re up Jordan pool, especially with Anthony Simons getting a hundred million. That is not going to be, a cheap task, especially yeah. to keep him as a six man off the bench. Right. So it frees up money for that. Uh, I think Draymond and Clay are, are due for an extension. Like it, it never fucking ends. So unfor- <laughs> unfortunately, like GB2 was huge and we would not have won that title without him. But I mean, when all said is done, if you look at the Warriors track record, we are always able to find players that consistently outplay the contracts that we got them on. Like look at yeah. JaVale McGee. He was out of the league and now he's like a very coveted backup center and getting like a lot of, a lot of bags um, yeah. af- after he got hardware with us. Same with, uh, I mean, the list goes on. Justin holiday was out of the league. We picked him up. He gave us some good minutes and now he's, he's another journeyman type guy. And I'm not saying that I'm putting them in the exact same class as Gary cause he's special, but uh, obviously I think if there was any way that they saw that they could have done it, I think they would have. Yeah, no, I know. And I think like it's one of those things where someone and we kind of knew this going in, someone was going to get the short end of the stick. And I think he was the one who got it the worst because it was kind of apparent that we weren't going to keep Otto. Like he's well deserving of a contract that we can't just we can't straight up afford. Um, 
I didn't expect JTA to stick around on a minimum deal. Um, again, all these players, and it goes back to when we first started winning championships, like Ian Clark, Aaron Holiday, or Justin Holiday, sorry, um, Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, like all these players play way over expectations, win a championship, and obviously teams are going to spend a lot of money to get them. Uh, it just sucks that thought maybe there's something that we can do. I think now it just kind of like shows up that like we're going to for sure keep obviously pay pool really well, but also they're really thinking hard about keeping Wiggins, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, I think this GP2 letting him walk creates more of a road and path to keep Wiggins and pool. I think before the season started, we weren't sure. Obviously we're like, let's not keep Wiggins, but I think at this point you got to keep the guy based off how he performed in the finals, what he brings to the team. And if you're stack ranking Wiggins versus GP in that case, um, it's the right move. It sucks, but it's the right move. Absolutely. And when you look at it with like Loon, what are you going to get rid of? The only healthy active center that no, you have. There's on no the way we let Loon walk. Exactly. So I was getting nervous though. I don't know about you, but I was, I was getting a little I was nervous. Getting like, especially nervous. when that first chip of Gary fell. Like, oh, Gary signing three years, 24 with Portland. Like, oh, fuck. Was like gonna autos to Toronto. Right. Um, so it's tough. And I mean, I was one of GP2's biggest supporters. I love what he did. He was so much fun to watch. And he just seemed like a, he had warrior DNA. Like he could have been yeah. a lifer. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's very hard for me to believe that Bob and Joe just decided, nah, we don't need him. Like, I'm pretty sure that they exhausted every option that they could have in a financial world. You know what I mean? Yeah, they gave him the best they could with the mid-level exception that they had. Yeah, I'll play. And they kind of tried to lean on, hey, you know, this is a Warriors culture and, you know, win one the team and stuff like that. Yeah, shit like that. And giving GP's journey... I don't blame him one so happy bit for him. taking the highest contract he could get. And I hope that was the highest contract he can get. I think he's worth more than $28 million, but you got to play your market. Um, I'm sure that that was it. Um, yeah. And the cool thing is, like, he's going to play kind of a similar role importantly. He's going to be, like, Dame's protector. Yeah. Which he he did for Steph. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to shine out there. Dude, and yeah. And he went to uh, Oregon State, so he's back up in Oregon. Like, it's... Yep. It's a good, it's a good, good fucking move for him. So, yeah, very um, happy for him. Other other action on the dubs. D Lee, Damian Lee went to the uh, Suns, fresh off the heels of uh, your little rant in protect and support of his. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Phoenician. I had a few uh, a few um, margaritas in my system the other night when it, the news got announced, and I was getting a little spicy talking about it. Ooh. But hey. Got to thank the man. Give him his flowers. Um, I hope he yeah. does well in Phoenix. I always fear with players like this. You know, we saw it with pretty much, we just talked about those like two-man, three-man spots down the line mm-hmm. of our bench are really only fit for the Warriors system. Um, so I hope he gets some run in Phoenix. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that they offered him anything above a minimum deal. But exactly. uh, Same with Juan. Right, so... It is surprising, which makes me think like maybe we have, I mean, it makes, it makes total sense, right? Because we lose out on GP2. We use part of the mid-level to get Dante. I know we're going to get into that. 
but we still have this vet minimum to fill and we need pretty much like a big or a stretch big there. Yeah. It makes really no sense to, to use that vet minimum deal on a guard or a shooter or somebody like that. So it makes sense to have JTA and Damien with the way the team is constructed to let them walk. It just has the writing on the wall that a big or a stretch is going to come next. Um, but it's a bummer when, when you put together like a championship team and then you let so many guys walk that were a part of it. And I understand that like his minutes weren't the most valuable, but I think a lot of people have never played on a team before, or especially a team that's won anything. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that goes into it. And just that championship DNA that we've talked about and getting a group of guys together, that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like we've shown it time and time again, how we can just plug in the right fits and the right pieces. And I think the thing that frustrates me the most is like watching these lists of available free agents and then just like, Oh, we should get this person. We should get that person. And there's a reason why we're not signing these players, um, which kind of leads us to the first signing that we did make um, after sort of the aftermath of everything. And we picked up Dante DiVincenzo, um, who just recently played for the Sacramento Kings, but more known as a uh, Milwaukee Buck NBA champion. Them, right? yeah. He won a champion. He ran a ring with them. He was hurt throughout the playoffs, but played a pretty big role in the regular season to that, to that team. Uh, big ragu. The big ragu, Baltimore's or Maryland's very own Villanova championship Delaware. guard, Delaware. Sorry, um, yeah, I'm 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 positive and high on the uh, the big ragu signing. Um, what are your initial mm-hmm. thoughts on it? I like him. I, I've always liked Dante. It always makes me nervous when you pick up a guy coming off of an injury, but I think he was able to prove in Sacramento that he's healthy. Uh, he only played like 20, 25 games for them. And I believe in the latter part of the year, they were playing him really sparingly in Sacramento and kind of fucking with his minutes, which was a bummer. But uh, he almost tied his highest points per game once he finally got to sack with about 10. Um, It's kind of, I mean, he's he's a bigger combo guard. He's like 6'4", 6'5", can play a little bit of defense when he's healthy. So that's pretty much all we need um, in that role. So I, I like it. I think he'll be good. Um, and he seems like the type of guy that you can kind of plug in and, and he'll play his game anywhere. So I'm a fan of the signing. I thought it was the best that we could do after we lost out on GP2. Yeah, and I think for him, it's always been kind of this question of like, do we force him to mold into a point guard? Do we play him off the ball? And we saw that with um, the Bucks, where before they got Drew Holiday, it was like, Dante is going to be our point guard. And they brought on Drew Holiday. They kind of played off each other in the backcourt. And it was great. Like he was like obviously getting open looks. I think the only thing that we want to see better, obviously, is just better splits. I mean, 36, 28, 33, last three years from the three. Um 35, 40, 37 from two. Like not the most efficient score. Um, but he does have like that scores mentality as a player. Um, kind of that tweener guard and I mean, you bring him off the bench next to Poole, and like that's a, that's a formidable backcourt where they can kind of play off each other. They're both young. They're both like, you know, scoring, playmaking type guards. Um, mm-hmm. And then defensively, like he's fine. Like he averages about a steal a game. Um, 
we don't need him to be a lockdown defender. Like we're not we're not expecting him to be Gary's replacement or anything like that. Yeah, um, but he's a plus defender. But he digs in. Yeah, that's yeah, what they're expecting, in. especially if he's going to come out and play alongside uh, Jordan. Like he'll guard the better guard. Yeah, that's that's what it's going to be. And I think the shooting splits will will definitely be helped with playing alongside great shooters yeah, as they do totally. with everybody. They're going to space the floor for him, and he'll get way easier looks than playing with like. I mean, Giannis is incredible, but like he's not a shooter. So I, I think yeah. playing alongside these guys like Clay, Jordan, and Steph, it's going to help him a lot. Totally, and he's only twenty five. Like, I feel like when the Warriors are picking up these guys, they're undrafted players, they're older on the back ends of their career. Like, we got someone who's a first-round draft pick not too long ago, 25 years old, and just kind of got traded to a shitty team and is coming off an injury. But, I mean, he's got stuff. He's got something there. So, I'm I'm, I'm really high on the, on the signing. Um, like, I don't mm-hmm. think, based off who else was available – would have been better like don't really need lonnie walker um like aaron holiday's available don't really know what he can bring um i'll take the champ first <laughs> so same here yeah i like i yeah. like uh the michael jordan of delaware i think he'll <laughs> i think he'll be a good fit too and i believe yeah. it's a two-year deal and the second year is a player option i'm pretty sure so he pretty much controls his own fate if he does what these other guys did and outplays it and kills it then he sets himself up for a nice bag with somebody else next year and that's all the more motivation for him to play well exactly um so as far as like what next you mentioned they have a little bit more of that um that minimum there are some people out there they're kind of starting to drop like flies are there anybody that you're circling or hoping or you'd like to see make their way onto the team um well i was bummed that we lost out on one guy in particular that I had my eye on was uh, Sergi Baca. I yeah. believe he's he's healthy now. He just re-signed with Milwaukee. I think yep. he would have been the perfect fit. I was really keen on him, what was it, two years ago when he initially signed with Milwaukee. So, I, I, again, like a big that can stretch the floor, can guard multiple positions. I know he's getting a little bit older, but I was really high on him, so that was a bummer that he left. I thought we were able to get him on like a ring chaser deal, but – re-signed in Milwaukee so it is what it is um I doubt that Montrez is going to be up for grabs especially since he just got busted on felony weed charges not that I think that'll stick yeah Um, but that's another I mean he's not like a stretch big but another big that can help inside I think that would be something and then I guess the other one that people are talking about that I don't know how realistic or how much it would help would be Mello yeah, I saw he was available. I was I was kind of trying to find a, an accurate, good list of available guys. Um, who knows? I mean, he could be. That'd be fucking sick if Melo came to so chase cool. rings. Um, I don't know how realistic that'll be. I feel like he's just gonna fall onto LeBron's team or whichever team like gets like Durant and KD. But right, yeah, I was bummed to. Uh... See, I, I was a little worried about this one because people were pushing for it so hard, but I would have been excited if we would have signed TJ Warren. Uh, I was big of, on that. Yeah, I was hoping we picked thing, him up. Yeah, only thing that worries me is I think he played, what, two games in the last two years? Like he big time, big time was fighting the injury bug. And yeah. it always worries me when you go to a new team after fighting injury that long. So uh, I believe he went to Brooklyn. 
right? He went to Brooklyn. So um, that's off the yeah. table. Well, Marcus Aldridge is available too. Um, uh, obviously, we're not going to get DeAndre Ayton. Uh, who else is on this list? Thomas Bryant. I'm a, he's a young big. I'm assuming he'll get a big contract somewhere. Hassan Whiteside is unrestricted. I don't think that that's really what we need. No. Uh, a lot of people are talking about fucking Juan Hernan Gomez too. The Bo, <laughs> the hustle. What's his name? Bo, Bo Kimball from Hustle. I think <laughs> his, Bo uh, Cruz. Bo Cruz, excuse me. Yeah. Bo Cruz. His deal is done. <laughs> he got waived by the Jazz. So he's up for the taking and he's kind of like that stretch, uh, stretch big. So that would be interesting. Um, but I mean, it's not like he has this big wall of accolades coming on, you know? Yeah. A couple others are uh, uh, Blake Griffin, Boogie, yeah. your boy Tristan Thompson. Oof. Yeah. I would love Boogie, but I just don't see him wanting to come back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Chief but... Keith Morris. I don't really know about that. Mm. Yuck. Is he still hurt from when uh, Jokic <laughs> Dude. fucking sent him to Mars? <laughs> he might be completely out. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the, the, they legit have to fill out the roster, so there's got to be another move or two coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, none of these guys really have me licking my chops like Sergi Baca did. So Yeah. So We'll see. We'll see what happens. Not going to expect much. Um, all right, moving on to the rest of the Bravo reality TV series that is the uh, the NBA. Um, yep. Free agency opened up last week, and it's just been a just a circus of what I thought was going to be kind of a, um, I don't want to say a slow free agency period, but I didn't expect it to be this spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just start and get some of the quick ones out of the way um before jumping into the obvious stuff uh but some some notable ones Knicks traded Noel and Burks to the Pistons um I don't exactly remember who that that had to do with the whole like Kemba Walker swap and everything so yeah, they're, they're trying to get off Kemba's uh contract yeah so they got off Kemba's tra- uh, contract um other ones of note Will Barton and Monte Morris went to the Wizards for Contavious Caldwell Pulp and Ish Smith I thought it was really cool. Yeah. (laughs) I do not want to play those guys in the playoffs. Get fucking Monty Morris the hell out of here. (laughs) Warrior killers, dude. Although Ish Smith is kind of a warrior's killer, too. Get his little ass the fuck out of here, too. That's true. Quick ass Ish Smith. so fast. I did see that there's a kind of a cool story about Monty Morris and Kuz. Um, They were like boys and girls club, childhood friends that played on the same team together. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're matched up on the same team now in Washington. So that's Nice little mini feel good story to see some childhood boys. Absolutely, you know, you know they're talking about playing the NBA one day together, and it's uh, actually happening. So, yeah, that's fire. Yeah. Um, then let's get into some bigger stuff. So, probably the first like big domino to fall was uh, the Hawks getting Dejounte Murray. They traded uh, Dejounte Murray for Danilo Gallinari and one, two, three. Four first rounders and a future pick swap. Uh, a haul, man. A haul and a half. Um, I love to be it, a Spurs fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it does, but at the same time, I mean, it's going to suck because those picks are going to be ass. They're going to be yeah. bottom of the Back first up. round. Yeah, but 
what, what were they really doing with DeJounte Murray on that team? They weren't doing anything. They weren't going no. anywhere. So this just jumpstarts their rebuild. They're going to wave Danilo. I think they already did. Yeah. Uh, He's going to the Celtics or something, I think. And shout out to the San Antonio for sending him to a contender and like, you know, kind of doing good by him as well. But I, I love that trade. Yeah, I think it's a good trade on both sides. Like the Hawks' biggest problem has always been defense on the perimeter. Can't expect much from Trey. Um, right. Who knows? I mean, I thought my initial reaction was like, it'll be kind of cool to see Trey play off the ball. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows how that's going to work. It could go south if Trey gets a little pissy and gets kind of in his uh, on the man mentality. But Dejounte is such a smooth, like easygoing type player, and he's so, a fucking dog on defense. And so he's a plug and play guy, like yeah. elite plug and play guy. Yeah. So I, I don't think uh, Trey's gonna have any room to complain when Dejounte is guarding fucking the anybody on the Kyrie's <laughs> and Steph Curry's of the world. You know, he's gonna save him a lot. And yeah. I mean, who knows? This might be Trey's biggest year on the offensive side with how much DeJounte is going to save him on that end. Exactly. So I'm excited. I mean, the Hawks are one of those teams where they've got all the pieces and yeah, they had sort of their Eastern Conference Finals run. Didn't look too good this past year. So that window, I don't know how long it's going to be open for, but you know, you got to make some sort of splash. And I think filling in that like, second back that backcourt spot and keeping deandre hunter and capella and and still john maybe collins. john collins we'll see where he goes um they've got some they got some good stuff going into this year yeah good trade um <laughs> this one is minor but we got to talk about windy uh the <laughs> nets <laughs> get uh royce o'neill for a first round pick but very very boring trade on the surface but when that trade happens uh brian windhorse the uh espn's analyst formerly known as cleveland's number one beat guy mm-hmm. went like fucking gotham villain on first take and had one of the best performances i've ever seen Man. um by someone and everybody's probably seen the, the memes of him like with his fingers out like this, looking all smug. Um, <laughs> I know something you don't know. <laughs> but that was just an incredible segment by him. Man. Why would they do that? <laughs> Answer me this. <laughs> Why would they trade Royce O'Neal to the Nets? Why? And like Fucking the, the, the first thing guys are like, to get Kevin Durant? And he goes, no, shut up. Why would they <laughs> just trying to lead the horse to water? Oh, uh, it was so great because right after windy. that, right after that was when the whole Kyrie and KD stuff started coming in. Um, but <laughs> I had to talk about Wendy <laughs> all time performance by Wendy. I don't know if we're ever going to get that again. He was uh no. on another level. I mean, he made I don't want to say he made up for his checkbook win comment, but. It Kinda. just adds to the villain that he's like trying to be. I feel like it's so fucking yeah. funny. I think he's tired of being LeBron's like flunky, and and he yeah. wants to spread his wings and have people talk about him for something other than reporting what yep. LeBron had for lunch. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, all right, let's go through these a little bit quicker. Kevin Herter went to the Kings for some stuff. Justin Holiday, Mohawkus, and a first rounder. Um, big one for the Celtics. They got Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Huge. 
didn't trade much, in my opinion. They traded Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Jawan Morgan, Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, and the 2023rd first rounder. I mean, so they traded not, a first rounder. They've traded a first rounder. Yeah. And so Boston really hasn't drafted too well as of late in those spots. You look at one of the guys they just traded in Aaron Neesmith. Um, mm-hmm. They've always needed a player like Brogdon. I think this is a huge pickup for them and getting that like scoring steady point guard um, that yeah. they, they fucking need. So now big, Marcus big Smart for them. doesn't have to struggle running the point, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I think they said that their plan is to bring Malcolm off the bench. So oh, really? The, I think so. That'll be his first time coming off the bench in his career, unless they plan to move Al Horford to the bench. Cause if yeah. you think about it, they've got smart Jalen, Jason Horford and uh, uh, Williams. So mm-hmm. Unless they move Horford to the bench and slide everybody down and put him at the point, he's going to come off the bench and he's going to be incredible. Possibly yeah. like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I mean, I've played 2K, and one of the moves I've made before was getting Brogdon with Celtics, so it the works. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> probably the biggest trade that happened was uh, the, the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert, um, traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves for quite the haul. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, Leandro Bulmaro, and four first-round picks, and all for Rudy Gobert. And it should be mentioned that Leandro Bulmaro and uh, Walker Kessler were also first-round picks. Walker this year and Leandro mm-hmm. last year. So mm-hmm. damn near six first-rounders for Rudolph. And a, a solid rotation player, I think, in Malik Beasley. He had kind of a shit year last year. Uh, I think yeah. he had a lot of personal stuff going on, but I don't know if they'll keep Pat, Pat Beverly. Megan Larsa Pippen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said it, not me. Cheating on his wife, Larsa yeah. Pippen. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be uh, personal stuff, I think. <laughs> um, but the more I look at this trade, the more I think Minnesota won, to be completely honest with you. because. Yeah, I really do, because if Minnesota keeps up the way that they've been going, which I think that they will, I think Ant is too good to uh, to for this team to digress. I mean, those are going to be shitty first-round picks anyway with an organization where unless they're picking number one overall, i.e. Ant Edwards and Carlin T. Towns, they're not making good draft picks. So you're kind of taking that uh, margin of error out of their hands, which I always love on a shitty organization like Sacramento or Minnesota. The only crazy thing to me is that you gave up all this for a guy who's going to probably put you in a, I mean, I could very easily see them finishing top four in the West now with, with him uh, playing like the, the defense that cat doesn't want to, but when you get into the playoffs, (laughs) is he going to be played off the court? Like he always is because then what did you mortgage a good amount of your future for? If, if you get to the playoffs and he's not going to be there in crunch time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I. What's your take on it? I think it's a terrible move for the Timberwolves, mainly Mm. because I think like their front line is obviously going to be just incredible and trying to play cat off the ball, like in a four slot position. I think where they really get screwed is losing. They just don't have any depth. Like they didn't have depth to begin with. I That's the tough I was really high on Jared Vanderbilt. I thought he was going to be. He looked really good in the playoffs for them as sort of that like stretch for him and McDaniel's together. 
Um, I think I they're really high on McDaniels, who will have a really good year. But to me, that was the biggest someone, win. They got yeah. to hang on to McDaniels. Yeah, I, I think that was a win. But I think losing Vanderbilt is going to be tough. I mean, me, Bleasley. I said Bleasley. Beasley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, he's so he's streaky. I think his time was kind of running out with the Jazz, or with the Timberwolves. Um, and I I do think they're going to miss Pat Bev. Um, for sure, he, he was brought a heart. swagger to that team that Cat wants to bring. That Cat will never bring. Like Delo's in his like own little world now, and Ant Man's going to have that swagger. But they fed off of Pat Bev's like tenacity, um, mm-hmm. and so I think look missing those two pieces, primarily like I said, Vanderbilt and Beverly, and then just looking at their their roster moving forward, it's like. Yeah, that bench is tough, dude. Who is there? You're gonna re-sign Torian Prince. Oh, you know what? They did get a slow mo, which I think that's oh they got Kyle Anderson. That's a big. That's a good point. I guess the the potential starting lineup you'd have D'Lo and Kyle uh, Kyle Anderson, Cat and Rudy, which by all means is a very very solid starting lineup. I think you've got two shooters in D'Angelo and actually three in Cat. And then great defenders in Rudy and Kyle. But like you said, that bench is tough. I mean, you got Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince, Brandon Forbes, Jordan yeah, McLaughlin. Nas, Nas Reed is a decent backup big, um, but their backup uh, backcourt is nothing to write home about. And I don't know if they have any more roster spots or any more money to make moves, but without a backup backcourt, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, that the depth is going to be a problem. Um, like they'll be a playoff team. I think top four would be a stretch. Um, so you think they're going to be like a fighting for a play-in team again? I think so. I think like if the the league shakes out, that should be you know the top will be. Clippers should be up back at the top. Um, they picked up John Wall, who we forgot to mention. Um, oh yeah, that was a big one. Grizzlies will be up there. Warriors, Warriors. should be up there. Lakers should be up there. Um, Utah's not going to be up there anymore. Utah won't be up there. Who knows what Phoenix is going to do? But you can pencil them, pencil them in. You know, we'll get to in just a second. But if they get KD, like they're a fucking force. Um, Portland can make some. New Orleans, there's there's a lot where I don't think that's true. They can just ride off of this strong starting lineup, which the starting lineup is very strong, but. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of shit that could happen throughout the season where when you have to rely on a backcourt of Jordan McLaughlin and Bryn Forbes, that's that's some that's some scary hours, literally. Not <laughs> it's not nasty any, work. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Not in a good way. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I like the moves just for for action. Um sure. Makes it fun. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see Kat and Rudy play together, but do they immediately become the most hated and most clowned on front court in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just checking. Um I do, although I will predict Cat loses his sassiness next season. That's my uh oh you think I want to put a future like, on that. Yeah. He's been he's been uh keeping tabs of the internets and maybe he comes back next year with a, a more toned he's gonna down be more attitude. like more like mature and like I don't need to talk. I just need to prove it. He'll go into his like Kobe voice, you know. That he kind of like, not so, done. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? The job, job's not done. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
All right. The last thing in the free agency world, um, I'm kind of exhausted with it. So we can maybe only talk about it a little bit, but the KD and Kyrie drama. Um, KD offs or requests a trade. Kyrie opts in. All this like owner drama. And now it's just like, where does KD let go? And what I think the that? latest is what Phoenix, Miami, Philly, Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think Toronto right now is considered the strongest suitor for uh, KD. I think, I don't know who's trying to get Kyrie now. Everyone's saying that the Lakers is definitely not an option um, for Kyrie. And that's just kind of like smoke that they don't really have a realistic shot at getting him. So that part is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't I mean, know. You just can't trade for these guys. Like it's, it's, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. And I, I feel like every team is doing the right thing and being like, I don't want to trade my whole team for Kevin Durant because then what's the fucking point? Like, you yeah, know, signed a five-year deal with Brooklyn <laughs> thinking that he was going to build something and two years in he's he's fucking out so like right who wants to bet on that except I will say if, if Toronto does pull the trigger they're like known for making this type of shit work i.e fucking Kawhi Kawhi yeah distinctly told San Antonio trade me but I don't want to go to Toronto they said fuck you head north and he won him a ring yeah so, and I I agree with that I also feel like Toronto can give up the best Absolutely. And not completely wipe out their team. You look at like Miami and they're going to be like, we want Hero, we want Bam, we want Jimmy, one of those three or two of those three. And like mm-hmm. you lose Bam and you just have Jimmy Butler and Durant. Like that's not winning you a championship. You know, there's so you many Phoenix. weird moving pieces too, because I don't know if you've been keeping up, but like there's so many rules about like you can't have more than one guy on a rookie extension on your team. So legit, they couldn't trade for Bam at a bio because they already traded for Ben Simmons, who's on his rookie extension. That's so crazy. they would have to get rid of Ben Simmons somewhere or also include him. There's so many weird like CBA stipulations in this. So I think that's why Toronto has become the biggest suitor because they can offer, I think I saw like OG, Scotty Barnes, and someone else. I think there was one more piece in like the potential trade. But then Pascal. when you step, I think it might have been Pascal Siakam. But then you step back and look at it, and it's like, well, what are you going to win with Fred Van Vliet, KD, and who else would be left? Keem Birch. Fucking Chris Boucher. Boucher. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Malachi Flynn. <laughs> yeah. I just don't see it happening. I really, the more time goes on, I really do think that they're both going to cave and come back to Brooklyn and they should just run it, run it back with what they have. And I mean, all the moves that Brooklyn's making right now is with the outlook that they're going to have their two stars back. They, As they should. traded for Royce O'Neal, who has proven to be a great role player on the playoff team. They just signed TJ Warren, who had a magnificent bubble. And if he mm-hmm. comes back healthy, he could be a huge piece. Yep. They have Seth Curry. They have Ben Simmons. None of these guys have been able to play together. They still yet. got Patty Mills. They still got Joe Harris. Yep. They still got Nick Claxton. Yep. Cam they Thomas, Bruce Brown. They still have Bruce Brown, or is he a free agent? Um... I'm not sure about Bruce Brown, but you're spot on with all the other guys. They're all coming back. Oh, he's um, still unrestricted, I believe. Okay. Yeah, he was a second-round pick in 
2018. So yeah, this should be his contract year. Yeah. So I mean, um, like, and they fucking but, should be treating oh, him no. like he's Bruce Brown signed with Denver. Ah, vale, vale. So uh, they should be acting as if they're going to come back because absolutely. you know, according to Shams, really only the Lakers are looking at Kyrie, and that's just to get him with LeBron and. I mean, it's going to be the whole James Harden thing all over again. Like, it's this game of, like, chicken of who's going to budge. Are we going to ask this, you know, we're going to want the world for Kyrie. And the Lakers are going to be like, no, you can't have AD. And then it's like, all right, well, we'll just keep him. Like, he didn't play for us last year. We'll hold on to again until yeah. someone wants to trade. For sure. And, like, if if all the Lakers are going to offer you is Russell Westbrook, kick rocks, dude. Like, well, no like Austin chance. Reeves? Like, <laughs> they don't have yeah, shit to like, trade. There's no good landing spot, in my opinion, for for Kyrie. And if you do trade him somewhere, like to get the best deal, why would the other team do it? Because he's just not going to show up. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm over at, the whole saga. I love Kyrie. I love the way he plays. I just want to see him play, and it doesn't seem like we're going to get that, which blows again. Yeah. So, um, what's crazy is like the better answer is just fucking fire Steve Nash and get a better head coach. And I'm sure they can figure it out. But Absolutely. I think the damage is done Cut ties with the vibe curator. Yeah. I do think the damage is done between the nets and both Kyrie and KD to where I don't think they're going to play. It might just turn into this whole, like we're going to sit out until you do something with us. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're they're holding their ground and they're just gonna like you said, it's a game of chicken. So whoever yeah. calls mercy first. Um, but one thing I want to point out that we're not gonna talk about because we're not gonna spend any more time on it than me saying this is Kevin Durant is not coming to the Warriors, and no. we're gonna leave it at that. Yeah, people are making that. full podcast episodes about that, and I just wanna we're not we're not even gonna discuss it. I don't want to discuss it. No, we're not gonna. We're not Why gonna <laughs> See you next Why week. Why even mention it? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody could come. Uh, uh, so, yeah, right. that, that's the saga of uh, what do we call it? A, a soap opera, NBA offseason. And of course, Kyrie and KD are at the forefront of it. So, stars. The stars. Um, you want to talk a little bit of RB, a little Usher? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Man, so got to end up some. Some vibes. Got to end on some vibes. Yes. So over the weekend, I'm sure everybody that has not seen the Tiny Desk performance that I'm referring to with Usher on NPR has probably seen the meme that has been going around. People have <laughs> clipped like a two-second video of his performance from Confessions where he says, watch this, and turning it into probably the most used meme video that I've seen in, I don't know, definitely months, maybe even years. It's just flooded. The my volume on at which it's being used is it, oh, it's unbelievable. Is incredible. Yeah, but Usher did perform uh, an NPR Tiny Desk concert. If anybody has not seen those, they're incredible. It's like probably some of the best fifteen minutes that you could spend on YouTube. Uh, an artist goes to the NPR office and basically plays like a fifteen to twenty minute set of their hits. And Usher was the next artist um, who graced us with this. And let me tell you, it was a fucking doozy, my friend. And I'm a little sad that you didn't watch it yet. I went full thought mode, turned it on my TV, volume all the way up. 
I might've been shimmying. I might've been two-stepping <laughs> when, uh, when superstar came on. Yeah. But it was incredible. And it, and it got me thinking because he performed, I think two or three, two songs. I think he performed confessions and superstar off of the confessions album that dropped in March of 04. And it got me thinking, is this arguably, I'm saying this arguably, is this arguably the best R and B album of all time? And I wanted to get your take on it. Now, just for reference, the album sold 1.1 million copies in its first week, which I'm pretty sure that's still a record. And I'm sure you remember when this shit came out that it was a moment. Like, it was a fucking movie I mean, when, yeah. when Usher dropped Confessions. Not only was it like the ultimate junior high breakup album, it also had Yeah on it. Um, mm-hmm. It just had countless, countless hits. And I think that an early episode of DMP... We actually went through this album when we talked a, hy- a hypothetical uh, Justin Timberlake versus. Usher versus. <laughs> and I mean, you just got like from top to bottom, dude. Yeah. Throwback. Confessions. Burn. Caught up. Superstar. Simple things. Bad girl. That's what it's made for. I mean, it's it's just it's a classic and uh, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. I, th- I think I can say that comfortably. It's it's up there, dude. I think we were talking about it a little bit before it got on, but like trying to think of R&B albums can go so far in the spectrum. Right. And like I think just by bangers, stats alone, like Confessions is definitely up there. I don't know if it's the best. I don't know if you I even have a best. I need to do some research, but I tried to pull up some lists and pull out some some albums that are arguably some of the better uh, R&B albums of all time as well. Mm-hmm. So the questions that I always have is like, are artists like Justin Timberlake's Justified? Is that considered R&B? Because it's on this list. See, this is like where I, I struggle with it because I think I would prefer if we can get very specific with it. I think I would call Confessions a pop R&B album. Which pop R&B. I think that Confessions is in the same vein. I would probably put those in the same specific genre of pop mm-hmm. R&B. Same with like a uh, Off the Wall, Michael Jackson. Although yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that that's, I mean, that's debatable on whether it's in the, <laughs> on the same level, but I think it's in the same genre for sure. Right, right. And then it's like, so ones that like come up for me from a recency time, I'm looking at like Frank Ocean's Blonde, Scissors Control. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I see. I would even put Frank's Channel Orange up there. Frank's Channel Orange. And then if you go into like the 20, the 2000s, Usher's Confessions, obviously. Alicia Keys, debut album, Diary of Alicia Keys. Oh, man. Or, sorry, his see- second album. Her second album. Sorry. See that I would probably put more in like the classic R and B or R and B soul over pop R and B. But exactly. now we're splitting hairs. Now we're just splitting hairs, and then right. it's like Miseducation of Lauren Hill, one of my favorite albums of all time. Ooh. Like, do we put Beyonce in these? I don't know. Like, <sighs> it's tough, man. And that's yeah, only the two thousands. I know. It's. I feel like it's an impossible task to, to debate this. Um, but as I mentioned to you before we got on the call, I was listening to a pod where they said, what are the three albums that you would take with you if you're on a deserted island to hear for the rest of your life? 
And I, I'm having a hard time leaving confessions off that top three. And call me what you want, but it's how I feel. And I'm willing to stand on it, as Draymond says. Stand on it. New media. Um, <laughs> no, nah, it, it's so good. Just like it's front amazing. to back. It has it all, too. It it literally has it all, not just R&B. It's got club. It's got club. Dance. Yeah, it's got there it all. Go. Baby makers. Mm-hmm. Baby makers yeah. maybe you don't want. Like, <laughs> it's got it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Let's not forget about, um. Uh, I think My Boo was on the on the, uh, the deluxe. With the Alicia. expanded version, yep. Did the expanded have, uh, what was the one that had fucking... What's his name rapping from a jail cell uh, from Bad Boy? You know what I'm talking about? Mm. Uh, the dude who on took the album? gun charge for Diddy. Shine. Oh, yeah. Shine's on the Confessions Part 2 remix. That's what it was. With Shine, yes. Twisted, Kanye, and Jermaine Dupree, which I don't even know if I've heard before, to be honest. Are you serious? Uh, I mean, that might be the most 2004 song ever made. I think you need to <laughs> listen to that when we get off this. I've got some um, homework after this call. You, you absolutely do. But yeah, man, this one's just incredible. So much like amazing Jermaine Dupree and just Blaze on this album. Not to mm-hmm. mention fucking Little John. Like that's that's a generational song. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't care who you are. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just one that's never gonna go bad. It hits yeah. every time. Um uh, I gotta watch that tiny desk. And I need to do some deep dives since it's R&B because as one who loves R&B, maybe I, I've been skewing more towards the breathy R&B as of late, but... I think you have. I like what I like. I don't know. What to I, tell you. <laughs> I'm not judging. See, the, the other thing that I kind of go back and forth with is every time I try to... Not every time. Like, I have this debate fucking weekly, but when I bring this up, I feel like I see a lot of people saying that's not even Usher's best album, saying that 8701 is his best album. Mm. And while I do think that 8701 may have like the best song and you remind me, I think top to bottom, it's just not as strong of an album as Confessions. That's another debate for another day. I think um, 8701 has like the the winners on this one are like heavy. Higher highs. You remind highs. me, you got it bad. Oof. Jesus. Yeah. No, I think I think Confessions wins. Confessions burn. Yeah. Superstar, bad girl. The winner right there. Okay. Yeah. Confessions. Also, was I was re- listening to a um an interview with uh Pharrell not too long ago and I want to mm-hmm. say was it you don't have to call? I think he might have said that you don't have to call was originally made for Michael Jackson and he passed so they gave it to Usher. Damn. And when you listen to it, like you can legit hear, hear like, oh, this like Michael would have murdered this. <laughs> he would have fucking floated on this. Like this for and sure was written on this. In for Michael Jackson. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the song. Don't quote me, but there's definitely one that that happened like that. Mm. Oh, Damn. yeah. Here you go. Michael Jackson had endeavored to return to the studio for several years. In 01, he was offered a bundle of songs from the Neptunes. Uh, MJ's management rejected them and they found their way to Timberlake, creating the breakthrough album Justified. Turning those songs down was perhaps the biggest mistake of his musical career. Some of the songs he made were offered to Michael Jackson first, but Jackson's manager said the songs were not good enough, so they were given to JT instead of Pharrell. 
So everyone had been asking how the Neptunes gave Timberlake the MJ tracks when you clearly see them actually crafting some tracks in the studio sessions, blah, 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 blah. Um, nonetheless, Usher has also songs that were meant for Michael Jackson's produced by the Neptunes in the book, Michael Jackson for the record. Um, it stated that these tracks were written for Michael. Uh, you don't have to call and I don't know. And these songs were written for Michael. Senorita, take it from take it from here. Let's take a ride last night and nothing else. Pretty much my favorite and the best songs off Justified. That's why. <laughs> In a two-year span, MJ passed on those songs and Usher and Timberlake were just gifted hits. That's wild. And it made their careers <laughs> like insane. Facts. Big facts. Shout yeah. out to Pharrell. Shout out to the Neptunes. Shout out to the Neptunes. Man. Big time. Um, but that'll that'll wrap it up for us for the day. Um, it's yeah, been nice sorry, to be back. Tangent there. No, much needed. We need to talk some music. Uh, can't just be talking shit about the Warriors for an hour every time, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but just to kind of reiterate, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody who not only listened to support, but also supported us on the merch. Um, any feedback is welcome. If you want to see something more, if you want to see something less, um, different colors, different colors, we'll be, uh, we'll begin back in the studio, maybe making some more designs. Um, so it's not just going to be this store, hopefully some more, um, uh, special editions, limited editions might come out down the line, Ooh. but, um, yeah, we got summer league next week. And uh, we'll keep you all up to date with that. And uh, yeah, that about do it for us. All I got. Thanks for the support, everybody. We love you. All right. See you all next week. Peace.